I'm Susan, and this is The Darker Side of Things. Good afternoon, guys and gals, and welcome back to the darker side of things. Again, I'll be by myself. As we all know, my brother is still recuperating from his um, surgeries and so on and so forth. He will be getting some more surgeries done, so just prayers and good wishes for him and his family that he can have a quick recovery. I am going to be having dinner today. Uh, Well, later this afternoon with my parents, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Other than that, nothing uh, too pressing or anything, you know, to report as far as day-to-day things going on in my life. It's the same old, same old. So um, today is going to be a little different um, as far as the story that I'm going to bring to you. I would put it in more of a paranormal category than anything else, and it's about uh, the Kersey time slip incident. So with that, I will begin. In 1957, a group of young boys who were training to be part of the Royal Navy claimed they went someplace else in time. This was their story. Sorry, guys, if you heard a bump or whatever, I accidentally hit the mic, so uh, apologies for that. Back to the story. So the first question is, what is a time slip? A time slip is a plot device in fantasy and science fiction in which a person or a group of people seem to travel through time by unknown means. In this case, one such uh, case supposedly occurred in the United Kingdom called the Kersey Time Slip Incident, where three three teenage boys claimed to have seen Kersey, it's a place in um, in, uh, the United Kingdom, as it was hundreds of years before the incident. Crazy, you say? Maybe. But experts struggle to fully discount the events the boys claimed happened. To set the stage... The strange thing about the incident was the silence. Church bells were ringing as the boys approached the town. Then they just stopped. Wildlife stood motionless. The boys explained that even the birds stopped singing when they approached the first house. The wind stood still as well. There was no breeze and there weren't even shadows cast down from the trees. The main street was deserted as well. Maybe not so odd on a Sunday morning in 1957 rural England, but even the most remote British homes were somewhat somewhat modern by then. There would be cars parked on the street, power lines strung along the road, aerials on the roofs, but there was none of that here. In fact, all the homes on the street looked ancient, ragged, handmade, Timberbilt. They almost looked medieval, one of the boys thought. The three boys walked up to the nearest building and peered inside. What they say was scary indeed. 
There were no tables or counters, just two or three whole oxen carcasses, which had been skinned in places where uh, were quite green with age. There was a green painted door and windows with smallish glass panes on one of the front doors um, and one at the side, rather dirty looking. Uh, uh, this is what uh, one of the boys said, quote, I remember that as we three looked through that window in disbelief at the green and moldy green carcasses, the general feeling certainly was one of disbelief and unreality. Who would believe that in 1957, the health authorities would allow such conditions? End quote. Looking into another house, and uh, two, it, had, it, it appeared greenish with smeary windows and appeared like no one lived there. The walls were whitewashed and poorly at that, and the rooms were empty. No possessions, no furniture, and looked like they weren't of this time. The boys were scared now, turned back, and headed out of the village. There was a small hill out of the village they followed and didn't look back till they reached the top, so they hightailed it out of there. Then one of the boys remembered, quote, Suddenly we could hear bells once more and saw the smoke rising from the chimneys. None of the chimneys was smoking when we were in the village. We ran for a few hundred yards as if to shake off the weird feeling, end quote. What happened to those boys that morning 50 years ago remains a mystery. They were conducting a simple map navigation exercise that it performed correctly. That, yeah, that had it been performed correctly, would have taken them four or five miles across the countryside to a designated point, then returned to base and report what they found or saw. Had all gone according to plan, they should have ended up at the picturesque Suffolk village of Kersey. The more they thought about what happened, the more they wondered if something strange had occurred. Years later, William Lang, who led the group, said this, quote, It was a ghost village, so to speak. It was almost as if we had walked back in time. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of sadness and depression in Kersey, but also a feeling of unfriendliness uh, and unseen watchers, which sent shivers up my back. I wondered if we'd knocked at a door to ask a question who might have answered it. It doesn't bear thinking about, end quote. Lang, who came from Perthshire in the Highlands of Scotland, was a stranger to this part of England. So were his friends, Michael Crowley from Worcestershire and Ray Baker um, of uh, Cockney. That was the whole point. The boys had only recently signed up to join the Royal Navy and all were just 15 years old. Wow, 15 years old, and they were allowed to sign up to join the services? Wow, goodness gracious. That made it easy for the petty officers in charge of their training to confer to confirm they had reached their destination in the village. Regardless, their superiors, Lang recalled, were, quote, skeptical, end quote, when they told them what had happened. They all, quote, laughed it off and agreed that we'd seen Kersey all right, end quote. The incident remained there until the late 80s when Lang and Crowley spoke by phone, both living in Australia, and talked over their experience. Lang had always been troubled by the experience, but Crowley didn't remember as much as his old friend, but did remember that something strange happened and recalls the silence, the lack of aerials and streetlights, and the bizarre butcher shop 
With that, Lang decided to write a letter to an author of a book he'd read, Andrew McKenzie, who was a leading member of the Society for for Physical Research. McKenzie was intrigued by the letter and recognized it might describe a case of retrocognition, the CPR term for that would be called a time slip case. Examining the details of the case, he believed it was possible the boys had seen Kersey not as it was supposed to be, but as it was centuries earlier. Mackenzie and Lang began a two-year correspondence and foray in local libraries with the help from a historian from Kersey. In 1990, Lang flew to England, and the two men went to Kersey to relive the experience. What makes this case so interesting is that retrocognition is probably the rarest of the physical uh, phenomena. There have only been a handful of cases reported, and most known is the uh, Versailles incident of 1901. On that occasion, two well-educated women, a principal and a vice principal of St. Hugh's College uh, in, uh, in Oxford, were walking through the grounds of the Palace of Versailles uh, outside of Paris when they believe they were transported to a time before the French Revolution. After some research, they believe one of the people they encountered might have been Marie Antoinette, Louis XVI's wife, the Queen of France. Wow, that is crazy. Mackenzie's research into the Kersey incident led him to believe the same thing happened to the boys in 1957. He wrote about the incident as the lead case in his book about retrocognition, Adventures in Time. It stated, uh, it, or it was written in 1997. There were several factors that led him to believe the boy's encounter was genuine. The obvious sincerity of Lang and Crowley, Crowley later claims he couldn't remember the experience, the details of their recollections, and a few discoveries of persuasion. One of those details was the butcher shop, uh, which was a private residence in 1957 and was still when they revisited it in 1990. It debated or dated to 1350 and had actually been a butcher shop at least as early as 1790. Mackenzie was also struck by the suggestive fact that the season seemed to change when the boys entered the village. Lang recalled, quote, it was verdant, and the trees were that magnificent green color one finds in early spring or summer, end quote. Then you have the village church. Lang indicated they had not seen a church as they went into the village. Then there was silence. Lang said, quote, there was no sign of a church. I would certainly have seen it as I had a field of observation of 360 degrees, end quote. Crowley even stated there was no church or pub. This alone is something that deserves a double take since St. Mary's of Kersey dates to the 14th century and is a principal landmark in the district and is visible to anyone passing by on the main street. Mackenzie used this as a marker to determine the time period in which the boys most likely visited the village. Since the Black Death occurred between 1348 and 49, he believes the cadets might have seen the church during the aftermath of the plague. 
when the shell of it would have been hidden by trees. Also, Lang and Crowley recalled the village buildings had glazed windows, a rarity in the Middle Ages. So the suggested time frame would most likely be Common Era, 1420, when the church was unfurnished, but the village continued to grow. It's a great story, but looking at this through an, uh, an historian's eyes, you have to ask yourself if there is another explanation for the events. Things to consider are these. Hersey looks like a place that might confuse a stranger entering it for the first time. The village is ancient. It was first mentioned in an Anglo-Saxon will of Common Era 900 and still has buildings dating back to medieval times. So many, in fact, that it's a favorite location for filmmakers and is noted as being the most picturesque village in South Suffolk by Nicholas Pevsner, a German-British art historian and architectural historian. Among its attractions are the 14th century Bell Inn and several thatched, half-timbered buildings. It's not hard to believe that these would stand out among the more modern buildings and make a person think they had visited a much older place than anticipated. Also notable is that the village wasn't hooked up by the mains until the early 1950s. So to not see wires or aerials in Kersey um, at the time isn't really that strange. As for the other details of the boys' account, the mention of windows, back then glass was expensive and thus rare. And in the 14th and 15th centuries, uh, while it's possible Kersey's wealth made it an exception in this period, it leaves one to wonder why the boys didn't see any furniture. There are other issues with the with the dating too, not least the discrepancy between the boys' description of a settlement abandoned as it might have been in 1349 and Mackenzie's wealthy village of 1420. Still and probably the most perplexing is whether or not a medieval village would have had a butcher shop. Such places did exist, but were exclusive to towns. Meat was expensive, so most peasants' diets were more vegetarian than anything else. Also, when animals were slaughtered in a village, for example, a festival um, of some type, uh, meat was hard to keep fresh, so it would have been consumed immediately. Meat consumption did rise in the late 14th century, but the evidence suggests it was rarely eaten. In the village of Sedgeford in nearby Norfolk, uh, only three cattle a year were slaughtered. Sedgeford was only half the size of Kersey. But to say there was a butcher shop with two or three whole ox carcasses in it ready to be butchered as early as 1420 is a stretch, especially since Kersey had its own weekly market where fresh meat would have been available and they would have, uh, it would have provided fierce competition. The best explanation is the cadets, the cadets' experience happened in some other way. Some key elements to the story are the silence, the lack of life in the village, this is highly suggestive of derealization, a psychological condition where the real world seems unreal. 
coupled with the lack of agreement between the witnesses, Roy Baker didn't recall anything unusual about curtsies. However, none of this solves the mystery of why two cadets, Lang and Crowley, were in such close agreement. It's worth mentioning that in time slip cases, there are usually more than one witness. The passage of time and a process of mutual reinforcement as the case is reviewed repeatedly accentuate the odd and smooth out any differences. We can't say for sure if this really happened. However, those boys seem to believe uh, that what they saw was real. Odd things happen every day all over the place. Whether they're big or small, so to the person it happened to, it is very real. I have experienced things in my life that can't be explained. I've also told some of those things to others, and there are always non-believers. But for me, they happened, and that's what matters. I would think that's how those boys, now men, felt at the time and feel right now. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it didn't happen. What are your thoughts on the subject of time slips? Are they real? Are they fake? Has anyone ever experienced a sort of time ripple? Have things happened that you just can't explain? Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. Please share them on our Facebook page, The Darker Side of Things Podcast. You can also email us at um, darkersideofthings, uh, the number one, at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Keep it real. Stay safe. And as always, stay away from the rabbit holes. They are dark and they are deep. Bye-bye.